Hello and welcome to another episode of That 60s Recording Podcast, the podcast that has conversations inspired by the golden era of recording. This is part two of my conversation with Ted Fletcher. It's been, to get slightly reflective for a second before we dive into the conversation, it's been one of those special episodes where Ted has been such an integral part of different facets of the music industry since, uh, you know, through the 60s and onwards. And it's almost like a culmination of a lot of the episodes that I've done. You know, he's worked with Bobby Graham, who of course did an episode on. He worked with Clem Cattini. Um, He's worked with so many names, you know, of people that we've read about through the 60s and, you know, sort of worked alongside a lot of the people I've interviewed for this podcast. And that's, it's just so lovely to speak with somebody it's a privilege, basically, to speak with somebody who was that involved in the music scene and has had such a huge impact on on music. Um, and that's not to mention that he's, of course, such a pleasant and, and a humble and generous guy. Um, you know, if I, I have half the amount of generosity of spirit and lust for life that he has, then I will lead a supremely happy life. He's, he's incredibly inspirational to speak to. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm recording this the afternoon after I spoke to him. And I'm completely buzzing, you know, just feel a huge uh, wave of honour to have spoken with him and a, a wave of passion to to just sort of get on with with projects. You know, it's, it's really inspiring to have spoken to. So, Ted, if you're listening back to this, thank you. <laughs> um, so I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, I'm just going to let you get straight back in. So here we go. Part two of my conversation with Ted Fletcher. There were a lot of smaller stations started coming on on stream, uh, and they were all scrabbling for, um, you know, to get on the air as cheaply as possible. Um, and um, so the competition was was really fierce, and equipment companies had, had looked around and and saw Alice and saw how, how what we had done. Uh, and undercut us basically, right? So, um, our business sort of whittled down and whittled down until we were actually not doing very well at all. Mm. And, uh, and in the end, I, I sold the, the company. Um, and the chap who bought the company was, um, was an ex chief engineer of yeah. the Reading local radio station. Oh, interesting. And he, he re revamped the company. And called it Alice Soundtech, uh, and promptly lost money, uh, probably even faster than I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think he went bust sort of three or four times. And I, I, I can talk about this because, um, in fact, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and uh, that the, the Alice company um, disappeared mm-hmm. completely. Um, and in the end, the, the the trademark and the the name uh, became available. Um, I don't know about the details of that, but I do know that um, Paul Anderson, who now runs the, the company, um, spotted it and bought the assets. Ah, interesting. So he owns the he 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 owns uh, the trademark and the rabbit logo. Oh, interesting. I didn't, um, mm. 
Yeah, I didn't realise that. I mean, I'd, I'd like to talk a bit more about the company now um, a, a little later on. I mean, something that's that's kind of in- really interesting to me, and it's not necessarily relevant for audio, but I read that you were involved, so post-Alice, you were involved in some of the first in-car hands-free sets. Which oh, yes. Is, yeah. I just find I find that really interesting, and I think it is relevant because it, it kind of shows that you've always been pushing at the forefront of, of technology and uh, and interested at, in sort of, yeah, just pushing the boundaries a little bit, not chasing other mm. people. You've been the leader and the, you know, in, in, yes. uh, yes. in sort of developing well, things. Well, that, that, that was, that was, uh, it was clear. That came from, uh, in, in local radio, one of the, one of the important program ideas that people had were telephone phone-ins. Uh, and, um, it, with with phone-ins, you've got to have a system where you uh, avoid feedback when you've got both ends open. Yes. And so uh, there was uh, the system that everyone was using was a German system, uh, which used hybrid transformers, uh, which actually cancelled out one of the signals, okay. um, which worked okay. But it wasn't that good, uh, so I thought it'd be good if I developed something a bit better, which we did, Alice. Um, and that then Motorola found out about this and asked me if I'd like to work on um, hands-free telephones. <laughs> and so I did some work. I, I, so I did some freelance work with with Motorola, um, Motorola and Vodafone, uh, which meant that I had probably one of the very first uh, in-car phone systems Wow! <laughs> in my car at the time. Yeah. I see. That's, oh, yeah. Re- that's really cool. And in, from an engineering point of view, it's, it's such a, it's clever. I mean, I, I don't know enough about electronics to, to comment on it really, but it sounds to do with phase cancellation and things like that. Is this, is, well, yeah, it's, it's more than that. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's phase cancellation, but it's also, it's, it's time. Basically what you've got to do is introduce a delay. Okay. So that you can cancel out what's what's being reflected back up the line, um, uh, and that was you know that worked that worked okay, and then uh, even more important, what happened then was uh, some people, friends of mine in in banking, uh, said, "Would you like to come and do some work uh, with um, with a with a money trading company in London uh, and produce a system." where they can talk to everybody all over the world simultaneously in separate loudspeakers and not have any feedback. <laughs> and, uh, and at which point uh, I gulped <laughs> <laughs> and effectively actually started a new company. <laughs> I, this reminds me of, of, you know, we were just talking about KPM and you were being asked to be, you know, to build a studio and, yeah, and yeah. suddenly, you know, it's, it's almost the same thing, but just intensely more complicated. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know. well, yeah, this, and the, I mean, this was huge. I mean, this was very, very big. Yeah. Um, and I ended up actually, I ended up doing a lot of work for, for BT uh, because BT wanted to buy the systems that I developed um, and I ended up um, spending a, oh, about three or four years flying around the world, installing these systems. Wow! Um, in all the in all the major capitals, you know. I mean, I spent a lot of time in Sydney, in, in New York, um, uh, in Frankfurt, 
as well as in London. It's uh, I mean, it's just amazing, and it can makes complete sense that that would all come from you know the it sort of the trajectory of it all is it's really oh yes. logical actually. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So then, yes. if but, we but then in, in, inevitably, and then then of course, uh, digital audio became much more um, more prevalent uh, and got a lot better. And in fact, nowadays, uh, echo cancellation systems uh, have improved hugely, yeah. and they're all digital, of course. Yes, yeah. My system was analog. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, and and um, it's well. I mean, the engineering capabilities, that, well, or sort of the engineering know-how to to do that is, I mean, just second to none. It's it's unbelievable mm. that that you oh, were, yeah. you know at the forefront of all of that. It, so I mean, it almost feels a bit crude talking about it now because of, of systems that have, of that sort of magnitude. But uh, at what point did the you were famously involved with the Joe Meek optical compressor? So then, mm. how did that? Uh, you know, presumably this was post well, all of that. Yes, it was. Well, what happened was uh, I, I really wanted to get away. I, um, I think my health was suffering actually at the time. Yeah, uh, I was suffering from bronchitis and asthma a lot living in the Thames Valley and the atmosphere actually wasn't very good where I lived. Um, it was in between Reading and Wokingham. Uh, and there was a, it was a, a, a road which was being used a lot by traffic and the, the, the atmosphere wasn't, wasn't good for me, for my, for my breathing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, and so one day, um, my wife and I decided to, um, uh, to go for a drive and, and find somewhere else. And so we drove down to the West Country, um, literally started in North Devon and then meandered across the moors and uh, and at one stage found, um, bought a local paper and found an advert for, um, uh, for a oh, 15th century cottage standing in five acres uh in a little village called Coomintine Head okay. which is just just adjacent to Newton Abbott um so we drove there drove actually drove to it um saw it and oh it's wonderful <laughs> yeah. oh it's well, and so uh, and so I bought it Fantastic! What what a cool yeah. story! <laughs> yeah, I, I love that um, that sort of lust for life, just to be able to make decisions like that. That's fantastic. Well, this is what you've got to do. Yeah, absolutely. You, of course, you have yeah. to do it. You you come to a point where you know you get you get fed up with something, and you you just say, you know what, let's do something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So then, did you start tinkering back again with audio um, outboard? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was it was like I was trying to retire. I suppose really. Yeah. I mean, it was it was all a bit 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 haphazard. Honestly, uh, I was trying to retire, and I thought, I don't know, let's let's do something different. So I thought I'll make um I'll make a video. So I, I had a, a good video camera at the time. So I thought I'd try and make a travelogue. Of, okay. of villages and lovely places in Devon, um, which I did. I did that. Uh, and um, when it came to putting some sound on it, I hadn't got a compressor. <laughs> and so uh, I said, I better, better make one. 
<laughs> this is absolutely true. Oh, I love this it. This is absolutely true. And so I, bu- I built a compressor, and I thought, this is good. I like this. This is nice. It's really did, did wonders for the music. Um, uh, I, I called my called my brother, who was um, who was a songwriter in uh, at the time in um, Savile Row, uh, and um, I went up and see him. I went up to town and, and saw him with a prototype of this this compressor, and he said, "Cool." He said, "You know, you should really try and market this. It might be good." Yeah, yeah. What are you going to call it? So, oh, <laughs> well, it's, it's a bit like the ones we used to use at Joe Meeks. Uh, so we'll call are. it the Joe Meek. So we'll <laughs> so that was this. That was the name of the company. Oh, fantastic. Again, it's such yeah. a cool, cool story, and it's just a case yeah. of. Um, I don't even know how to describe it because it's not, it's sort of blind confidence, isn't it? That you just make these things and, and just confidently put it out there into the world. And- oh yeah. But you know, you're only, you only, you only know about the successful bits. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times when you build something and it's a pile of junk and it doesn't work. So uh, it's not, um, it's not perfect all the time. Uh, where did the green, uh, come, one, the green come from for that? Um, well, I mean, the story, I've told the story a few times, actually, and it's, uh, but it's true. Uh, before I took it to London to show my, my, my brother, um, uh, it, was, um, it was a blank aluminium chassis. Yeah. And uh, it was a Friday afternoon, uh, and um, I thought, I, I don't really ought to colour it, paint it, you know. So I drove in uh, the three miles into Newton Abbott, and as, I go, as you go into Newton Abbott, on the left-hand side, there is a, a motor accessory shop. So I stopped there and went in and uh, I said, have you got anything quick-drying paint that, uh, that I can use, that spray paint that's, mm-hmm. that's really good? And the bloke was, um, was not very interested and he sort, of, uh, he sort of turned around and went like that and picked down a can off the shelf and plonked it on the thing. And uh, I said, "Have you got any other colours?" He said, "No, it's the only I got." <laughs> it was green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, "Okay, I'll have it." <laughs> so, so I took it home and sprayed the front panel green. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, it's it's either going to work or it isn't. <laughs> 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 and um, a lot of people complained and were, didn't like it and said, "Who's going to have a?" Who's going to have green equipment in their rack? <laughs> it's nonsense. No one's going to do that. Nobody's going to buy it. But that was untrue. Uh, everyone bought it. <laughs> but it's different, um, isn't it? It's recognisable. You know, if you see a picture of someone's studio and they've got one in the rack, you yeah, can instantly see a piece spot of green. It. It's, yeah. You know, it's a piece of Joe Meek equipment. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Yes. So it's, so, it's uh, you know it's kind of well known as a quite a characterful compressor. I mean, what was what were you sort of setting out? You know, what were you looking at? At sort of, did you have anything particular in mind? I mean, it's obviously, you know, I'm, as a drummer, I'm thinking as a on a stereo drum bus. It's well, fantastic. yeah, it's very good. Uh, it's called luck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's fortunate that the type of uh, of optical cells that I use, the the time constants on them are very similar. To the way your ear works naturally, uh, and to do with the um, with the tack times and release times, they sound right. Okay. Uh, and also, there's a there's a, a, 
a high degree of um, of hysteresis in the in the way the the, the timing works. You, if you use these cells and you p- push a lot of light into them, uh, the whole thing slows down. So it it changes its character completely. So uh, if if they're cold and uh, and haven't been illuminated for a while, then there's a resistance. They've got an internal resistance that mm-hmm. stops them working very well. Uh, after they've been working for a while, they work better. Okay. So it's it sort of it's got a lot of uh, a lot of give and take about it, and it's very difficult to achieve that. Um, well, to to set up the uh, the sort of facts, if you wanted to write down and draw a graph of of the various time constants within the system, uh, it's it's very complicated. Yes, it's not. It, it isn't a simple uh, shine a light at it and it and it it drops the level. Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as that. Um, everything changes. the The attack time changes. It changes with the amount you you use it. Uh, so, and it, it's lucky it works. It works very similarly to the way the human ear works. So, um, I got it right. Pretty well, right first time actually. That that one, the uh, the Jomi SC two, yes, um, is pretty is pretty well right. And I've used the same circuit for ever since. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I've changed. I have changed a few things in that um, nowadays it's got a much more predictable uh, ratio, compression ratio, but um, but basically it's the same. Yeah. Um, so then, you again, you sold off that company. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, that that was unfortunate. You see, what what happened there was ninety uh, percent of the business that I was doing it was in the Joe Meat Company was in America. Okay. Uh, the the agent, the um, American agent, uh, Alan Hyatt. I've had I've actually had Alan on the podcast. Interestingly, so he, he's um, yeah, interesting chap. <laughs> interesting chap. Yes, uh, he and I don't get on. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's the only man in the world I don't get on with. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, uh, he saw it as an opportunity. He saw nine eleven as an opportunity. Hmm. That that's that's the bottom line. Um, yes. He had there was a I had he had a massive order in with with Joe Meek with the company uh, for stuff. I sent it all out there to to the states, um, and uh, he decided that he wasn't going to pay for it. Ah, and so uh, effectively it shut the company. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of money. Yes, yeah, it, it was uh, it was a large proportion of a million quid. Yeah, so. Uh, we had to we had to shut down the company, and in the end, um, th- our the people who stepped in to uh, manipulate the the remains of the company sold the assets, and in fact, Alan Hyatt bought the the trademark. Oh dear! <laughs> yeah, 
So, uh, but but you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter because um, he never made a success of it. Well, no, he this decided. Is... Well, sorry, he decided that uh, he he decided that my designs were um, obsolete, and so he needed something new. So he used a different designer, and um, well, it's still running, I, I presume, the company. Well, yeah, this is this is what I was just about to say. I mean, it, it matters in the sense that you know the the stuff that you were involved in the design of is um, respected, and you know it's always mentioned in all of the notes. If you ever look at a piece of of hmm. um, Joe Meek gear from the time that you were involved in the company, your name is is synonymous with it, and as a as yeah. a sort of trademark of quality on it, and the yeah. the, the Joe Meek branded stuff that's out now. Even just looking at it, you can see it's it's plastic and and you know it's the complete antithesis of what we've been discussing mm. like high quality gear. Um, mm. So I think mm. as long as uh, consumers recognise that difference, um, I think it's yeah it's it's just a shame to see something that you uh, you know it's it's got ties back to the beginnings of your career and it's a shame to see something like that go the way it has. But um, mm. yes. It, it doesn't bother me that much anymore. I mean, well, it, it never bothered me much at the time. Um, it was, um, no, it's just, uh, that's life. Yes. It, you know, it's, uh, um, I've got no, it, I, you know, I would I would do business with Alan Hart again now, actually, because, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't hold hold a grudge. No, well, I... I... You know, that, but, I think uh, he saw it as an opportunity, and um, he went for it. Yeah. yeah, that was it. So, in in terms of now, you, you've you started um, the Alice Company has come back, and I think mm. you mentioned in there's a, a promo video for the Mark III of the eight two eight on the video, mm. and you mentioned people contacting you about repairs and spares for the original Mark ones and twos, um, mm. and was that a surprise that people are still using them or how did you feel when, you know, when you started to be approached about these things? Well, nobody's, nobody stopped using them. I mean, they're, they're, there's, there's hundreds of them in use. 828s. Mind you, they're getting a bit old now. Because, (laughs) you know, I mean, the, the Mark ones were made in 1981, 1980, 81. Um, and they're getting they're getting a bit old now. Mm-hmm. The um, the pop tracks are, are, are really suffering. Uh, the faders have generally had it by now because, in fact, the faders that we used weren't that good. There's much better ones around now. Mm-hmm. Um, on our, I mean, for example, on the on the new eight twenty eight, uh, we use um, a conductive plastic fader, um, but it's not. It's not viciously expensive like the Penny and Giles would would have been. Yeah, but it's um, it's made in Germany and uh, it's it's extremely good. It's very smooth, and I expect it to last thirty years. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. It, it seems you know that you obviously built these the the consoles originally built for for broadcast, like you said, and and mm. now they seem to suit. Uh, well, the, the the kind of studio that I run, essentially, you know, it's got, you know, I, I'm recording drums, so it's got eight inputs and um, eight yeah. outputs, and it, it kind of, it it seems 
you know, just really fortunate that they, the way that sort of with DAWs now and, and people buying, mm. you know, 500 series bits of outboard that you can route them through yes. this mixer really well. So it seems like a really oh, yes. nice marriage yeah. for the way yeah. that people operate yeah, that's now. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and the, I mean, my favorite mixer of all time probably was the A28S, um, which is three mics and five stereo channels, uh, which is, um, and the one I've got, one I, I've used for years, um, I've still got it. Uh, it's, it's fitted with PPMs, uh, and I've used it exactly the way you say, um, using digital systems, digital outboards into it, uh, and it, it's, it's just brilliant. It, it, it sounds right, and it just works. So how did um, you mentioned Paul Anderson buying the the name Alice? So how did it all come back a, around to? Is it was this sort of twenty nineteen that it all got mm. back moving again? How did that all come yeah. about? Uh, I don't know really. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, th- I I can't remember who who contacted who. I I think probably Paul contacted me for something uh maybe to give to pass on um an email address of someone probably who who owned an old 828 um and at that time i mean well for years i've been repairing old old gear mm-hmm. um and uh you know i've always said if 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 any gear that i design breaks down then generally I'll fix it at a very reasonable rate. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and that that's it. Um, but he uh, he then told me he he phoned me up and uh, you know told me what had what had happened and how he bought the the assets. Oh, I know what it. Yes, I know what it was. I was trying to contact the guy who originally bought the company. Ah. Uh, and I didn't realize he was dead. Huh. <laughs> and, uh, but um, anyway, in my search on the internet, I, I found Paul Anderson. That's ah, right. I see. Yeah, that's it. That's what happened. Yes, it's reminding me now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, for some reason, I wanted to, I, I, I needed to, I wanted some information on the, on the old stuff, the, uh, and one that I thought that he might have some records. I see. But anyway, that, all that all that uh, didn't work. So, um, but uh, anyway, no, Paul is now, Paul works uh, a lot of the time for the BBC. Okay. Um, uh, he in, he's involved in, um, in television outside broadcast. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, and he's also a, a bit of a dab hand at making things. <laughs> so, uh, he does the putting together. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I love that. So we've got a, so we've got, we've got subcontractors who are capable of, of stuffing printed circuit boards, putting components into boards. Yes. Um, which is nowadays, is, of course, is a highly specialized business because ninety percent of everything is is surface mount. 
Yes, yes. Um, but in fact, the um, the new 828, uh, most of that is through hole. It's actually conventional. I, I love that. And I love that in, again, dr- r- just thinking about that video that you put together for the Alice website, mm. you mentioned uh, sort of um, back engineering to work out why it sounds the way it does mm. and how, you know, I, I'm really fascinated by this, the sort of progression of valve technology through to transistor technology. And then, mm. you know, naturally we all want to just keep pushing forward. Then Pro Tools came about and then DAWs and digital and all this mm. stuff. But actually, you know, you talked about the inconsistencies of transistor technology and how that's part of the beauty of the sound. And, you know, people are real beginning to realize that now, you know, hence this podcast oh, yes. and the way that a lot of people work nowadays. Oh yeah. Um, yes. And that's why the 500 series market and the, the sort of, gear market yeah. if you like yeah that's right yeah growing yeah. up so how you know what yeah. what did you i, I mean it's, i'm sure it's it's a and not a quick answer but is you know what how did you go about trying to work out what the best points of the original alice's were and and what to bring now you know what's required now uh i started out with the idea of reproducing the original h28 mark one because that uh, uh, a number of people have said to me who who, who know about who used H twenty eights said ah we like our old H twenty eight Mark one um, the the Mark two isn't as good <laughs> well uh, I've done technical testing with with modern t- test gear on both uh, and frankly there's very very little in it. Between the two. Well, I'm glad to hear um, that, seeing as I've got a Mark II. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, there, but there are slight differences. Yeah. Uh, probably the main difference is that um, the Mark One distorts earlier. Okay. So you've got you you do get a very slight amount of second order distortion, second harmonic distortion. Uh, um, it occurs uh, in transistor circuits faster than it does uh, and in a more pleasant way than it does in, in um, integrated circuit yes. uh, stuff. Um, the other problem is that uh, the only distortion that you get really in integrated circuit circuitry is actually third-order distortion, which is the which produces uneven harmonics which are very very unpleasant to the ear mm-hmm. so uh even at, at very low levels you can still you're not aware of it but it just doesn't sound right okay interesting yeah so i mean that that's this is a major fundamental really yes. in uh, in how in how stuff sounds and um yeah, it's very much so in um, in in hi-fi stuff as well. You know, there's I mean, ninety nine percent of of hi-fi talk is rubbish. Yes. <laughs> but there is a one percent there that does make you sense. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I'm aware that I've kept you for a, a while. I've got two more two more uh, bit sort of points to ask you. So, mm-hmm. um, firstly. The you know the, throughout all you know I, I 
pretty since th- 2002. I mean, you've essentially been running um, TF Pro Audio for mm. that whole the whole time. So Alice might, you know, it's sort of coming back. But you've been making um, you've been making sort of outboard gear for the last 20 years. Um, mm. I mean, I suppose it says, it says on the website a, that it's more of a hobby now than anything. But I was going to say, in, in a very low, in a very small way. Yeah, yes. but it's still, know, but I sold I sold the old compressor. Yeah, and it's you know five hundred one every couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. you're still pushing and keeping up with you know with the trends of of the way outboard is. You know it's very relevant that the the sort of the, the things well, yes. you're putting together. And there, um, I'm. It's it's extremely useful that of course. Um, my son Guy, who's got a studio just down the road here, um, he spends eighty uh, percent of his time at British Grove Studios. Yes, uh, working with Mark Knopfler, um, but he does quite a lot of work in. He does some work in his own studio, and uh, so I've got a sort of built-in test bench there. And if I've got a piece of equipment that um, I want to hear how it how it behaves in a in a modern studio, then I lend it to him, uh, and he tells me in no uncertain terms. <laughs> usually, oh, and then and of course more recently, um, his son Max, uh, he's he's a lecturer at um, uh, at Chichester University. Uh. He lectures in um, music technology. Oh, fantastic! It's, it's, it's... So, uh, and he's uh, and he's a fine guitarist and uh, musician as well. And um, you know, he's uh, he's very useful too. And and being a lot younger, uh, he he fills me in on trends and the way things are going. Yeah. Uh, so that's useful. It's all it's keeping you on your toes. So it's good. Oh yeah, very much so. Yes. Um, the other yeah. there's some really great information on your TFP uh, TF Pro website about the masterclasses section. And I yes. Why did you? I mean, I recommend. I'm going to put a link to it in the notes because I recommend people go and go and read all of that because mm-hmm. it's um it's it's excellent. And why did you feel the need to write to to put that there? And well, uh, in fact, those. those those pieces are are actually notes that I used for university lectures. Ah, um, they are scripts, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and that's the way I generally work. If I've got, uh, if I'm doing a lecture, um, I do tend to script it very carefully. Yes. Um, I, I very rarely. Well, I never work. In fact, this. It's, it's one of the very few times that I work without notes. <laughs> well, I'm privileged. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, no, it, it's. Um, I, I think it's it, it's good to do that because it means that I can study the subject uh, as I go and write the notes yeah. and write something down and say, "Hang on a minute, that's not right." <laughs> let's, let's let's look at it again. So, oh, well, um, I mean, well, thank you for putting them there. And uh, yeah, there's, yeah. you know, there's. They remind me of um, Malcolm Toft has a, a similar um, set of videos on his website, and I think that it's really important. You know, there's so much hot air on on sort of YouTube and and on the internet, and to see mm. um, to see information coming from uh, you know experienced sources like you, your you know you guys is um, mm. it's really important for young the younger generation to 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 read through and. Um, and sort of ignore all of the waffle <laughs> that's out there and, and just 
Yeah. Almost yeah. go for the jugular. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, of course. The, and nowadays I'm on, I've got, I've got four projects running at the moment. <laughs> um, one of which is the new Pi compressor. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> again, this is an interesting one. You see Paul Anderson uh, <laughs> spotted that the Pi logo, the Pi name was up for grabs. <laughs> So he bought it. Ah, of course, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> yes. So, um, so we are, we now own. I'm a director of, of 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 Alice now, by the way, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, but he's uh, but we decided that it might be a good idea to reintroduce a Pi compressor. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, in fact, uh, I'm I'm now waiting today for the um, for the first prototype main printed circuit board fully loaded to to come in so that i can test it oh wow so uh it's yes it's quite a it's quite a piece of kit that's exciting so is this i mean yeah. is, is it in prototype stage now well yeah i i have built a sort of a, a hand built hung together one and it's, it works okay so uh, when 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 might we all see it um it's going to take a couple of months Okay, because the uh, I've I've got to get uh, the designs for the for the front panel and the back panel uh, get those organised. Um, that but that's imminent. Yeah. Ah, very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, the the final thing I'd I'd love it. I know you've told this story, but I'd love to uh, hear the the Pinewood story of the the neve console with an alice console in the middle of it <laughs> <laughs> true absolutely true yeah. yeah oh yeah um yeah so i was over there uh i was friendly with the one of the senior engineers at pinewood um uh, and i was with him one day because I, I did some work for them uh designing microphone amplifiers for okay. again for one of their dubbing studios <clears throat> and um uh, and he said to me one day, he said, do you want to come into the, the, the main soundstage? Because they're running, um, they're doing a film, Final Dub, at the moment. So I went in there. And, um, yeah, it was a James Bond film they were doing. And the, the Neve console with three engineers on it, it, which is about 15 feet long. Yeah. And there, sitting in the middle, was an Alice H twenty eight. I said, "What are you doing? What are you doing one of my little mixers in there?" He said, "Ah, it's the limiters." <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! So, uh, yeah, so they were using the limiters on the on the eight twenty eight. Amazing! How cool! Uh, yeah, <laughs> extraordinary! Yeah, that's right. But they are good limiters. And uh, again, that was that was almost by accident because <laughs> I, I designed those limiters in the H twenty eight Mark One. All right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it seems that everything you know, there's a lot been lots of happy accidents that you've you've sort of uh, stumbled oh, yes. across. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, but that that that's good because there's a lot of stumbling. Yeah. <laughs> if you do a lot of stumbling, you're bound to get some of them right. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's that's great advice. Don't be afraid to stumble. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much yeah. for taking so much time to speak to me. And, and I think that's all right. it's all right, been yeah. such a lovely conversation.
There we have it. The final part of my conversation with Ted Fletcher of Alice Audio and Joe Meek Audio and also TF Pro, which is Ted Fletcher Pro Audio. Um, Go and check out his websites, as I said at the end of the last episode. If you go to uh, tfpro.co.uk, or no, .com, apologies, there is some masterclasses on there, which are all uh, lecture notes from some lectures that Ted gave. Um, I'll just read some of the titles here because they're they're pretty nerdy, but I think you'll like them. There's one called Perceptions in Record Production, Natural Sound, Distortions, Compression and Images, Recording in the Real World, Recording Media and Early Recordings, some thoughts on spatial sound, schemat- uh, semantics, uh, which was a Thames Valley University lecture he gave, um, notes for the art of record production, good sounds, equalizers, and compressors. And all of it's just there. All the knowledge is just there for free. And what a gift that is. So go and check that out. And there's also a shop on there where he sells some of the hand-built stuff that he's made, um, which I am hoping to... Uh, purchase some of that i'm saying it quite quietly because my wife's in the next room and she might hear me say things like that and she's sick of me buying gear um and if you want to check out the picture of the alice console that i recently came across that was bobby graham's came across i own it now that belongs to uh to bobby graham the famous, well-known drummer from the 60s who i did an episode on you can go to my instagram at all you need is drums and there's some pictures on there uh, by the time you're listening to this it will have been tarted up and cleaned and should be in use in my studio so I'm very excited about that. Um, that just leaves me to say, if you'd like to get in contact with me, my email address is joe at allyouneedisdrums.com. Uh, you can visit my website, allyouneedisdrums.com, where there is music I've been involved with or helped build. Uh, there's also some nice, uh, nice, I hate that word, lovely enamel mugs that you can purchase to help support this podcast. A uh, huge thank you to Joe Kane for the intro and outro music, to Adam Mallet for the artwork, and to Rory Hancock for editing and uploading this podcast. I appreciate all of you, and I appreciate you for listening. Thank you. And I'll be back next week uh, with more 60 Music Chat. Goodbye!